Black Insider Bengals podcast coming at you on a very special night Thursday. We've kind of transitioned back to Wednesday for the most part. We did Thursdays not only to um, accommodate our, our own selfish schedules, John and myself, but we have a special guest tonight. It's been a little while since we've had a very special guest and a very, very special one indeed. We'll bring him on in just a second. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He is John Sheeran. We are in the middle of summer, John, and preseason game two is upon us, but we're also looking back at about a week and a half ago, some very special news and a very special event that surrounded the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, man, this is the best part of summer. It's the late part of summer, which means it's about to be fall, which means we're about to get to real football <laughs> pretty soon. But of yeah. course, the, the NFL calendar, big part of it, signifying like that transition to summer to fall is the Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement. And we saw something that we haven't seen in a quarter of a century and that was a former Cincinnati Bengal finally get his due and we're going to talk to the man who helped make that happen yeah uh, we've we've got a little video here before we bring on Ken Riley the second the son of Ken Riley who he uh, he did the the speech and the induction of his father did an amazing job and obviously made his family proud made Bengal Nation proud, so we'll bring him on in just a second. But, you know, what was cool about the last time we had uh, Mr. Riley on, it was when it was with his father's being inducted into the Ring of Honor, and now we're talking Hall of Fame. So we're doing some really big episodes and celebratory episodes, which is awesome. We're going to play a quick video and then bring in Ken Riley the second. Well, special shout-out, Uday, to Bengal Jim and his wife. Uh, he's been a great support over the past few, few years. To my dad's former teammates, a lot of who are here today, Ken Anderson, Isaac Curtis, Lewis Breeden, Reggie Williams, Leaping Lamar Parrish, and some of his peers, Mel Blunt, James Lofton, Coach Forrest Gregg. These guys always have been a support. I also want to thank the uh, Bengals organization, Coach Paul Brown, who gave him that start, Mike Brown, and all of the Brown family. And to everyone who loved the game the way that he did, it's been a long time coming, Dad, but you made it. Thank you. So joining us on the program once again, Ken Riley II. And Mr. Riley, congratulations on to you, to your family on this great event. I know it's been, as you said in that video, a long time coming, um, but well, well deserved and well done on on you know the enshrinement, the speech, and everything. How are you? I'm sure you're still basking in all of it. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, it's been a, a whirlwind uh, ever since the announcement was made. Uh, the planning began then, you know through the, um, the Super Bowl and and then just all the way up to August. So definitely a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and just so excited that uh, he's finally in. And uh, it's just been a humbling experience. Well, you, you did a great job, as I mentioned. And, and I, I think what's really cool about it, and I don't have this video queued up, unfortunately, but – um, the coolest thing about it, I think, was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, when you and your family got the call about your father being formally in, in, you know, enshrined in, in the Hall of Fame, it was from Anthony Munoz, or that was one of the first people you heard from, I believe, the lone Bengals Hall of Famer at that time. So even though it wasn't maybe someone directly with the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame or that sort of thing, it had to be a pretty cool thing hearing from 
you know, that from Mr. Munoz about this. And I know that he is just thrilled to not be the only Bengal player in the Hall of Fame now and joined by by his former teammate. Yeah, I mean, it, he's a great guy, a Hall of Fame person, uh, man as well. But it was actually uh, when I got the call, the president of the Hall of Fame actually um, was on the phone, Mr. Jim Porter. Oh, and okay. Then, and then, then he handed the phone over to Anthony. Uh, so that was, again, one of those just memorable experiences that I'll never forget. And uh, it was just a sense of relief that he was finally in and no better person to get that call from from the man himself, Anthony Munoz, who, who of course, was the first Cincinnati Bengals to be inducted. So I want to talk about that that great speech that you made because, I mean, it goes without saying that so many more people now know who your dad was and what he did with the Bengals and then post-playing career. And not just because he was enshrined, but because you had the chance to take that stage and talk about him in just just such an elegant and beautiful way. you know. And I think there are some things that even Bengals fans probably didn't know about him that they now know because you had that opportunity. What was, like, I guess your favorite you know, anecdote or fact or just your favorite part of the speech that you were most proud of to just tell to the world? Well, first of all, I just happened to get through it because I knew I was definitely going to be emotional. Uh, like I said, my mom was there and knowing all she was there from the beginning and all my family was there, my my sons and my, my nephews, my sisters and aunts. And like I said, all friends and family were there. So really just wanted to uh, make sure that I was able to uh, get through the speech and, you know, represent and <clears throat> and let people know the man who he was. And that was my whole, my, my entire goal. Um, it was still bittersweet. Was I was hoping I was in the stands watching while he was, while he was making the speech. <clears throat> but, you know, it was one of those things and I was happy I was able to do it and I represent him. So again, this whole year has been one that I will uh, never forget. Um, been been waiting for a long time for this and for it to finally come you know come to a head is just it's just great well we obviously you did a, you did a fantastic job and we are so happy for you and your Thank family you. talking to ken riley the second son of ken riley and uh the the speech giver of uh for his father to give get him enshrined in the hall of fame um uh, you know I we I talked about it before we brought you on about how you know thankfully the times you've been on this podcast we are talking about uh, you know the, the the great recognition the deserved recognition that your father received in in first the ring of honor and then now the hall of fame and in, induction um, you know I, I guess I'm just kind of curious uh, how what you feel like and and what your family may feel about these last couple of years and the Blackburns being kind of at the forefront of a lot of different things and really engaging the fans and engaging the, the former players, their families, that sort of thing. I don't want to say that that wasn't necessarily the case before because I, I haven't been behind that curtain personally. And I know Mike Brown is a guy who has shown a lot of care for many, many former players in his own way. But I guess my question is just did you kind of feel and see this this groundswell of momentum? I know you also mentioned Bengal Jim, a great fan ambassador, Bengals Bengals team ambassador. Um, I mean, did you kind of feel really a strong, strong push, particularly these past couple of years, that that really got this this thing over the finish line? Your and your father is rightful place in Canton. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. It's all about timing, and uh, he started gaining momentum. You know, in like twenty nineteen. He was um, he came he was in the finals after uh, Drew Pearson, and then the following year uh, Cliff French got in. So it was it the momentum was building and building, and once you kind of make it to the finals, you know the next step should be you know to to make it in. So I knew we were close. Uh, the Ring of Honor definitely um, was another feather in that cap, and mm -hmm. and started that that momentum in the process. And like you mentioned, the Browns and uh, the Blackburns, um, uh, Katie and the daughter Elizabeth, and you know the entire Bengals organization, uh, Mr. Mike Brown, they they have really um, been so supportive. And and then the guys like yourselves, you know, the podcast and the fans, the Hootay Nation, man, I can't I can't say it enough. Like how I believe that played a big part in it and it continued to gain momentum. And, you know, his peers, you know, I mentioned Mel Blunt, you know, yeah. great guy, uh, James Lofton, 
uh, Charlie Joyner, those guys, his peers, you know, Kenny Houston, I would reach out to them and, uh, you know, got videos from him and the support from, from his peers. I really think that that was what that, that pushed it over was the support from Hall of Famers that were already in the Hall of Fame that really supported uh, my father. And, um, and with all of that momentum and the support of the peers and the ring of honor, and he was basically in every other Hall of Fame, it was just the, the perfect storm and, <clears throat> excuse me, it was just the great timing to, to get him in. Well, like you, like you and Anthony kind of touched on, you know, shouting out like a, a single fan for, in a Hall of Fame speech is, is pretty rare, but it, it's just kind of a, te- a testament to how kind of yeah. special this community is. And obviously Bengal Jim has done so much, not just for your father, but for Ed, for all other Bengals players who hope to get in. Like, What is the community? the community, the Bengals fandom that that this fan base kind of meant to you throughout this process and specifically Bengal Jim? Uh, Bengal Jim, like I said, consider great friend. You know, we, we stay in contact throughout the year and uh, he's, like I say, he, he's awesome. Uh, Him and his wife, uh, Trish, I can't say it enough. Uh, But in general, the Houdé nation, like I said, guys like yourself, I I wish I could name everybody, but you know, (laughs) you guys uh, do a great job too. And, even if they don't have podcasts, no, you're welcome. Just like being in Cincinnati, you know, the support not only for former players, but the current players uh, is just amazing. And some of those guys don't have social media, but the social media presence that, you know, who their nation has now has continued to grow. And uh, it's just awesome. And I, and I can't thank, you know, you guys enough for what you do. And like I said, if I could have said everybody's name, I definitely uh, would have. Because it, you guys play a big part of it, you know, especially on Sundays. It it means a lot to those guys that are on that field. Uh, home field does make a difference. And I think that that does give momentum. And sometimes when you're tired and you can't go on, that, that helps. So just having that backing and, like I say, even with the former players, um, it, it means a lot to those guys. Well, you mentioned um, you mentioned a lot of former players in that speech or that video clip we played there. Um, and of course, the name that pops out, Ken Anderson, is it seems to be a guy that should be very well be next in line and hopefully gets his place in Canton as well. Um, you know, we as a show and we as a fan base have always, you know, put the Kens in has always been kind of a, a mantra, you know. And so and he's been on this show saying, you know, your your father was was, excuse me, more than worthy of getting into Canton, but you mentioned a name, Lamar Parrish, and that's a guy, for some reason, he had a stellar career played with your father and they created this great tandem of a cornerback tandem for the Bengals. Um, You know, he's not a guy that's talked about a ton. He kind of started to get a little more recognition with his name being on the the ring of honor list of late, but um, you know, a, a guy from yesteryear, a guy who didn't end his career with the Bengals and stuff, but was outstanding uh, special teams player, cornerback, et cetera. It sounds like you got to maybe, um, you know, speak with him or, or chat with him this weekend and stuff. I don't know your thoughts on him in Bengals history, ring of honor, maybe even Canton, given some of his uh, accolades that he accrued in his career. Well, I mean, that's a great point. Uh, first, I just want to touch on Ken Anderson. Like next week is actually the, the announcement for the finalists. So I'm hoping this momentum will carry on, that he actually uh, makes it as a finalist because he definitely deserves it. Uh, so just waiting for, you know, to see what happens next week. But Lamar Parrish uh, definitely and Isaac Curtis are the two guys that you don't hear about that definitely need to be talked about and needs to be next in line, you know, to, to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was he was a phenomenal Returner, um, great defensive back. I always say, you know, he was kind of like um, Dion before Dion because he, he did it all. <laughs> yeah. You know, he scored on a punt, you know, then he t- took an interception back for touchdown. I mean, he, he scored anywhere you could, fumble recoveries, but definitely just a dynamic, dynamic uh, punt returner and a great defensive back as well. And they just made a great t- uh, tandem with uh, Casanova. That's safe. I was I was just talking to him, you know, and they had uh, Casanova, my dad, and uh, Lamar. That was that was a heck of a secondary yeah. back then. It just it, it it's just unfortunate that Pittsburgh had a great secondary too, so they were kind of overshadowed and they were winning Super Bowls. But back then, the AFC was um, the secondaries were were very 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 good. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we need to get Mr. Parrish in the Ring of Honor first. I feel like that's that's yes, definitely due I, in the I next. I definitely agree. Yes, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree that he definitely needs to to get in next. Another favorite of mine is Reggie Lewis. I'm, I mean, Reggie Williams. I'm, I'm biased, but those are my guys: Reggie Williams, Lamar Parrish, Isaac Curdy. You know, that's those were the guys that when I was growing up were. Like I said, the superheroes to me, but I, I definitely agree. I mean, it's a lot of deserving guys, and you just wish you can get them all in. But especially yeah. the older guys now, I definitely want to get them in to make sure that they're able to enjoy it while they're here. You know, so that's the biggest thing that I, you know, <clears throat> I, I like to push for for those guys because, again, you know, while they're still here, I want to give them their roses and flowers. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, one cool thing I, I thought about your father going in this year is that he was joined by uh, other really great defensive backs and just a great class in general, but like Darrell Revis and Rondé Barber, who, you know, played in more of the modern era. You, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you got to talk with some of those guys. Was there like a moment that you kind of shared with a, a fellow inductee that you're like kind of stood down your mind? Yeah. I mean, the entire class, you form, you form a bond with those guys and they, they accepted me just, just like family now, because, it starts way back when you're announced as, you know, back in the Super Bowl. So from that point on, you, you're attending meetings and you're seeing each other. So it's, it's definitely a, a, a close-knit group. And everybody else that went in with my father, like I said, I, I treat them like family now from, you know, the Chuck Howleys to, um, you know, DeMarcus Ware, uh, Zach Thomas, you know, the entire, entire class. Uh, and Rondé and... You know, it, it was like a secondary group. So, you know, Rondé and, you know, Rivas Island, you know, to, for my dad to go in with those guys. So you had three corners. Uh, but um, those guys were, you know, uh, unbelievable as well. Talking with Ken Riley II, who is fresh off of week. We gave him a little bit of a break since his uh, travel and whirlwind schedule. But uh, he is uh, nice enough to join us on the program and talk about his experience in Canton and his father's enshrinement. Going to speak with him for just a couple more minutes. And by the way, I've, I've got this pinned up here from Mr. Whisper. Mr. Generosity is what we call him on this show because he's always given us the super chats. If you are so inclined, and we'll do this over the next couple of episodes that we do, whether it's live or, or anything, if you are so inclined to give a super chat and we'll hear more about the Ken Riley Foundation in just a, just a second, um, we're going to pool some of those in the YouTube super chats. We've also got a link on a story on Cincy Jungle with all of this episode's media and everything uh, straight to the donation portion of the website uh, that you can just go right in there and donate. Um, we'll hear just a little bit more about that in, in just a minute. But thank you, Mr. Whisper. We'll put that uh, as, as part of a donation. Um, I, I don't know if we asked you this last time. Um, who were some of the guys that your your father said were, were like, man, that guy was just, he just gave me all kinds of fits, just gave me all kinds of fits on the field. Um, I don't know if you ever shared that or uh, anything like that, but I, I assume probably some of the guys on the Steelers, you know, you know, you know that he went up against, but uh, if there was some, someone in particular that he said, man, that guy just gave me fits. The number one guy was his teammate. <laughs> Isaac Curtis. Cur or Curtis. Yep. Isaac Curtis was, he always said that the, the, the guy that gave him fits was Isaac Curtis because he was just a combination of speed, uh, great route running, and have hands. Uh, but other than Isaac, his teammate, you know, he always mentioned um, Paul Warfield was a mm. great route, route runner. And then, of course, he used to go against the Steelers uh, twice a year. So uh, Lamar yeah. had uh, Lynn Swan and my dad had Stallworth. So they definitely had uh, some battles, you know, for, for years. So, you know, Stallworth was one of them. Uh, mm -hmm. But Paul Warfield and Isaac Curtis, um, those those names always uh, stuck out. So when you were up in, so this was your first time in Canton, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, because I think the first part of your speech was, uh, you know, I said I would never come here until my my dad was enshrined. So that, that was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which yeah. I thought was very yeah. important to, to mention. You know, so good, so kudos to you. But just like I guess Im impressions of the Hall of Fame and impressions of your dad's exhibit and of Anthony Muno's exhibit. Like, what what was the whole first trip like? I mean, I love the game. It's like a kid in the candy store. I've always wanted to go. I mean, trust me, I did. But, you know, because even now the Black College Hall of Fame, that exhibits inside of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And so it's it's just a a build, building full of just, like, history. 
of the football. So whenever I, you know, I, when I was in there, it was like, man, I'm just, I'm at Disney World, you know, Disney World for, you know, for football. And uh, I can never get enough of it. I mean, you probably have to go back several times to really, because there's so many things that, uh, so much history there. And it's just, it's, it's a great place. And they're expanding now. They have a water park. They have a uh, Ferris wheel. They have restaurants. So they're making it a destination. And when it's really uh, said and done with, the, with that area, it's going to be great. And so it's going to be great for, you know, families and because there's something for everybody. I have I have yet to go, so I, now now Same. I have even more reason. I mean, I'm in Southern California, so it's not just the easiest right. the easiest track for me. But um, yeah, I mean, I now I've got even more reason to go. But uh, before before we get you out of here, Ken, thank you so much. We gosh, we already took over 20 minutes of your time. I appreciate it so much. Talk a little bit about the Ken Riley uh, Ken Riley 13 Foundation. We gave a little bit of support when. Um, we did the the ring of honor with the inductee, the first inductees, which your father was part of that. And so now we want to try and help out how we can. I know there's been a little bit of a pause and for good reasons, right? I mean, you know, celebrating your dad, getting into the hall of fame and then some not so good reasons, maybe with, with COVID stuff and everything. So um, I'll, I'll put up the screen and everything, but tell us a little bit about the foundation. And then of course, you know, how they, how we can support. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks Mr. Wilson for two. I saw the uh, donation. So I appreciate that. Uh, but the, the Ken Riley Foundation was near and dear to my father's heart because, like I said in the speech, he was a community man. He cared, he cared about his community and, and the kids in there. He wanted to, to give those kids uh, who maybe um, didn't have opportunity to go to school, but uh, take a trade or even a, a four-year school to, to show that there's different ways to have success outside of sports as well. And so he created that foundation. Uh, along, along with the EPAC, that was something that he partnered with the community. But it's basically to give back to to uh, you know underprivileged kids who may not have the opportunity to you know outside of to be able to go to a four year four year school, but to maybe pick up a trade. And um, one of the big events that we had was the golf a golf classic. Um, like we we it's been on hold now, but you know with COVID and you know now with the Hall of Fame, so. Uh, we're going to continue to, uh, you know, work with the foundation. Just not quite sure uh, what's that going to look like in the future, but we definitely want to continue to honor what he started and, um, you know, make sure that we're we're giving back to the community and helping those kids because um, Bartow was his home, uh, Florida was, you know, state, and that's one of the things that um, he was he was proud about. So. Um, we always are thankful for anybody that, you know, give to that foundation and want to make sure that we're, you know, doing the right things by continuing to give to those, those kids. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I put the donate, um, the donate link and the info link, separate links, uh, in our live chat. So, um, we will, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try and pool some, some money there, like I said, and we'll, we'll keep hammering it on the, on the website. We'll collect over the next couple of episodes and hopefully, um, bring, you know, bring, add in some of our own funds and, and uh, bring some support there and do what we can. And I, I said it before we, we took the air can any, anytime you have something, you know, with that, that you want us to share or promote, you are welcome on this show anytime, of course. But uh, if you have something that you want us to share uh, on behalf of the foundation, or if we can support something like that, um, open door for, for John. And I, I don't want to speak for John, but I, I, oh, I think, yes. I think I know John well enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that it's uh, it's open door. So let us know. And we'll be happy to, to pump that through, through our podcast, through our various sites and stuff like that for sure. Well, I think, uh, I appreciate that. And like I said, I really thank you guys for just giving me the platform and the platform to speak about, you know, my father way back when, you know, we were talking about the ring honor, uh, because I do think they played a, a great part and it's always, heartwarming, you know, just for guys like yourself who probably, you know, I don't know how old you guys were, but probably never really seen them play, but, you know, just to have that support and, you know, to, to help him get to where he's finally in the Hall of Fame, I really appreciate that and all of the Hootay Nation and the fans, like I said, I can't really uh, thank you all enough because it, it really means a lot and um, you know, if there's anything I can ever do for you guys, feel free to, you know, to, to reach out to me and, you know, I'll make sure I'm doing you know my part. I appreciate that. And you know, I don't I don't want to say you know your father's induction was necessarily more important than Anthony Munoz's, but it was still very, very special to this fan base. And I hope you felt that. I hope 
because this was this was kind of the hey you know this is a guy who's deserving long time deserving long overdue and I I, I hope you felt the fans were 110 percent behind you and your family pushing 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 and I think that's why that's it's it's different from Munoz getting in because you know Munoz was a while ago and everything but this was also just a lot of fans behind you you know a lot of fans pushing yeah. for this and clamoring for this and um so that's what I think um it just uh it, it makes it a very special occasion that your father's in Canton oh for sure uh like I said that fan support means the world and I'm just praying that the momentum continues I definitely don't want it to be another 25 years like I said next week I'm, I would like to hear Ken Anderson as one yeah. of those finalists man that would you know, I, I wanted to say it in my speech, but I didn't want to put the, you know, <clears throat> I didn't want to speak too too boldly, but I was like, mm-hmm. this is the year the Bengals, you know, Ken Anderson gets in, Willie Anderson gets in, and the Bengals win their first Super Bowl. You know, that is just top off the year. That's that's the year that I think that we're going to have, and uh, I'm just putting it out there in the air, because if you don't, then, you know, it won't yeah. happen. So, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm speaking into it. Speaking into we're manifesting. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I, I mean, I guess yeah. We didn't even really ask you about the current team because we we wanted to know so much about your experience. I guess uh, I, I lied. We'll get you out of here after this when you're, <laughs> you're 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 expecting Super Bowl or or your expectations, your hope or outlook for this team is is Super Bowl this year or bust. As long as uh, Joe Burrow's healthy and behind the center, uh, there's the possibility of Super Bowl. You know, I always think that you know. He's 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 our guy, and if he's there, they, that that that's the goal, and I think that's the goal of the team. I think that's the goal of the organization. So I think you know they have all the the talent and skill. Uh, sometimes it takes a little bit of luck, like I said, to make sure that everybody stays healthy. But yeah. if we're healthy, then uh, we definitely can play and 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 beat anyone. So uh, like like they said last year, they have to play the Bengals. And they're gonna have to play them to win, and so I definitely think that they they can can win it this year. And I'm 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 speaking into existence that you know they will get their first Super Bowl, and we get that we get the Andersons in this year. So yeah. yeah. Well, last time we had John, like I said, it's been too long. But last time we had John, Ring of Honor Super Bowl appearance. Now Hall of Fame Super Bowl win. Hopefully, hopefully that's, uh, that's, that's how that works. Yeah. Hey, that's how that sounds great to me. That sounds great. Well, hey, take care. All the best to you and your family. Um, Again, like I said, open invitation anytime you want want to come on here. We would love to have you on. And if there's anything we can do to help uh, continue to help Ken Riley 13 Foundation, let us know. We'd love to do it. All right. Thanks for your time, my guys. I appreciate the game. Take care. Great job this uh, a week and a half ago. Great job. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Ken. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ken Riley the second and awesome dude, classy dude. We probably took up too much of his time. I always love hearing from him. I love uh, having him on the show. We've only had him on a couple of times, but man, he's just about as genuine as they come, John. And I mean, what a unique sp- experience, man. Like obviously, you know, like he said, he, he would have preferred it if he had watched it from the stands, but to be up there to, and to speak about his dad for, for 10 minutes and like his crowning achievement, it's pretty special no matter how you look at it yeah it's pretty cool it's pretty cool and he's been such a um i don't know what the what the best word to use is but i guess such a great um i guess ambassador on behalf of his dad and a great uh, representation for his family and for his dad did a great job on that on that speech and everything so very very exciting and we wanted to kind of rehash that a little bit get the good vibes going hall of fame vibes and everything here. Uh, want to remind folks, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, part of the Cincy Jungle podcast channel, and you can uh, get this show along with, we mentioned his name a couple of times, Bengal Jim, talking football with Bengal Jim and friends, as well as uh, the coach, the coach Matt Minnick, coach speaking, Chalk Talk, three and out. Um, all of those are on our podcast channel through uh, your various audio streamers, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of them. Um, and then, of course, if, if you like what we do on the video side, and if you want to submit a YouTube super chat to go to Ken Riley 13 Foundation, we will get that over to him. You can subscribe to the channel underneath John there by the Cincy Jungle icon. Click that. 
the subscribe button, click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available, and give us a thumbs up if you would, um, if you like what we're doing on that on that side of things, and we'll keep pumping you with content here as the preseason rolls on. And with that, John, we will transition um, the, the, the last half of the episode to preseason week two. Um, preseason week one was a mixed bag, and that's being generous, I think. And we <laughs> talked about that and broke that down on the on the post game show is a fun little round table. Um, usually I'm, I'm flying solo on that. So it was good to have you and the, the three and out gents on that, on that fun show there, but let's transition here. Uh, I, I guess we could start here uh, about who needs to show more, who needs to show up, who needs to impress more this week um, for me. And it's a tough, it, it's tough to bring this player up. Um, because I know he's got an injury he's dealing with, but you know, I just feel like Charlie Jones maybe needs to uh, just a guy that pops up top of mind. And then of course we'll talk more specifically about a certain right tackle or left tackle, I guess um, in a little bit, but uh, that's just one name to me that, you know, he was having trouble separating, of course, the quarterback situation and offensive line situation when he was getting snaps was a little tenuous. Yeah. I, I, I mean, again, it's it's one week, and he is dealing with a torn labrum. And I feel like I I reject the notion that a torn labrum has nothing to do with route running because you still feel it when you're moving, and it's still like a part of your it's still a part of your motion. And obviously, separation isn't just not touch; it, it's also physical, right? It's, it's a lot of hand right. fighting in the route. It, it it affects you, right? It's not as bad as like. Because I think Jonah Williams had like a torn labrum and he had to get that surgically repaired in his rookie season. It's not the same as, you know, getting pressed 60 times a game as an offensive lineman. But I do think it does have an impact on how effective he can be as a receiver. And he's going to continue dealing with that as the year goes on. But I I think I want to see a better plan to involve him because I think a lot of his shortcomings came from when he was on the outside. And it's not really where he's going to win in the NFL. He's going to win in the slot. So he had 23 of his like 38 or so snaps on offense was in the slot. I want to see that percentage more focused inside. I want to see some just easier place for him to get the ball in space. Um, obviously you want to see him kind of win in the, in the advanced ways that we're kind of seeing from, uh, from Yossi Bosch, but you know, the, the injury is, I think is definitely going to impact him. And I want to see them kind of, you know, involve him a little bit better. My guy to show more. I mean, it, at this point, like one of these quarterbacks has to step up and again, yeah. like, they're they're backup quarterbacks right unless they are one of the handful of like top tier backups how good they are is not really going to matter in the grand scheme of things like if you don't have burrow you're kind of screwed anyways right but this is trevor simeon's first time to start with like i guess the technic technically the ones but like the the second string right he's going to go in into the first half and he's going to take all those reps with the guys that he's practicing with the most this is his chance to really assert himself because Jake Browning did not do that in the past week as, as the starter, the technical starter of this game. And both guys have just been really kind of falling off a cliff here in these past couple of weeks, ever since really the pads came on and things got started to get more physical. But Simeon, I think, showed to have the livelier arm, I want to say, last week. And I think he still made some impressive throws in practice. So this is his chance to really just kind of shut the door on this kind of weak little battle that they have going on behind Burrow. And he was always, I guess, kind of the favorite to win just because he's more experienced and he has actual starting experience in the league. But, like, he's got to show more. He's got to show better, and he's going to have the chance to do that. Well, you are Mr. King of the Segway here because that was one of the <laughs> topics we had we had set up. Um, you know, I, I think we, we, we touched on this a little bit at, in the postgame report, um, and that was, you know, was were his struggles – a byproduct of, you know, the line he's playing behind it, you know, late in the game and all, and, you know, some of the players and, you know, I mean, those guys also, also in practice, you know, they kind of mix and match who they're, who they're utilizing and, and, and playing with for the most part. Um, So I I guess him starting um, and being behind a starting offensive line, quote unquote, um, maybe that, bodes well for him a bit more this week and we may see a little bit more also maybe a little bit more comfort level just kind of preseason week one maybe there are a little jitters even if it is preseason and he's a longtime veteran in the league um but i do think 
because this coaching staff has shown um, that they like Jake Browning. I do think this is a bit of a big night for Trevor Simeon and his, uh, to your point there, I mean, make, making some ground in the backup quarterback race and, uh, you know, making a statement and kind of turning around things from last week, which wasn't the prettiest. Yeah, it's like at this point, it's just who can flash at least once, right? Because we just kind of get to see that. And I mean, the Bengals aren't necessarily strangers to having you know quarterbacks relatively pop off in the preseason. We just saw it last year from Drake, Jake Browning, right? He gave Brandon Allen a run for his money for the backup job, but they kept Allen because he was more experienced and he had experience actually, you know, working with Burrow during the season. So this was Browning's chance to, I mean, you know, Simeon was the new guy. He was the veteran, but, you know, they didn't marry to him by any means with the contract that he signed. So this was Browning's like real chance to just kind of grab that and run with it, but he hasn't. So Simeon is just left here again as a guy who's, I think, I think over 30 years old and again has started, has worked with Brian Callahan in the past. So just, just, just show something at this point. I think the, the Bengals are just dying to see just one flash. We're like, hey, we're, we're at least somewhat confident in this guy playing emergency snaps during the season should anything happen. I, I mean, do you have, based on what you've seen or have not seen so far from these guys, but the backgrounds and different things, I mean, do you have a, a current preference on a backup quarterback for the Bengals going into to week one? I mean, are you, are you hoping that Simeon kind of separates or is it, Hey, maybe Browning continues to develop and turns into someone that can do at, at least some of the things, not definitely not all of them. Some of the things that Burrow can do. I, I think, I think Simeon just kind of fits more with what the Bengals offense actually is, because again, it's different to judge them with the, the actual starters and with the second and third string offensive linemen yeah. and receivers. Um, I think Simeon is the better athlete. He can evade pressure a little bit more. And I think he's just got a little bit more to his arm. So now that he's kind of up to speed with the playbook and pretty much equal at this point to Browning, considering the amount of reps that they've shared throughout the preseason, I, I would lean towards Simeon, but if they want to keep Browning just because they've developed him for longer, he's younger, they think they can even develop his mechanics and his throwing motion and his arm power even more, then I can see that. At the end of the day, like it's marginal at best, the difference between both these guys, and it's just about preference, but if I were to say right now, I would prob- probably lean Simeon, but again, he still has to show something you know, against the Falcons. Yeah, and for, for those who need a refresher on on who Jake Browning was coming out of, of college, and he was the guy that when he had, who was it, uh, Pettis and, of course, John Ross, right? He was in Washington from 2015 through 2018. And in that 2016 season, when he had both of those guys, so as a freshman, he threw for 2,955 yards, 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Then in 2016, absolutely exploded, 3,430 yards, 43 touchdowns, John, to nine interceptions. So he dropped his interceptions by one and increased his touchdowns by, like, 27. Um, So, I mean, he just had a huge jump and then kind of went back down to reality a little bit in 2017, 19 touchdowns to five interceptions, um, you know, and then 16 to 10 as a senior. So, I mean, as a sophomore, I think a lot of people were looking at, at him coming out in the next couple of years going, wow, this might be the next, you know, kind of big, big thing coming out at quarterback. And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe some of those players around him drop off, get drafted, that sort of thing. And you kind of see a little bit of a crash back down to reality with him. But I mean, the production is there and there hasn't really been, at least at the college level, there never really was a super high volume of interceptions um, it, it was more kind of, you know, is, is this guy capable of doing a lot of things at the NFL level or just he did, you know, was it all about that supporting cast at, with the Huskies when he was in college? Yeah. One of the, one of the Pac-12's last great heroes, huh? Yes. Yes. A, Pac, a Pac-12 former hero. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, all right. Well, <clears throat> here's, here's the big question right here. I mean, we may have been a little easy on Jackson Carmen, particularly I think as we went back and watched some of the stuff um, in the film uh, from from preseason game one. There was, uh, you know, there were some good elements from him, but there were some really questionable plays at the end. I think he was reinserted back into the game, and there was kind of just, you know, I, I don't know what was really happening there. 
Um, so, you know, there was the one where he appeared to not know the snap count along with Cody Ford, but then just kind of stood there. Uh, there, there were some just really weird plays uh, by, by Jackson Parman in this one. Um, he has seemingly fallen pretty far behind the right tackle competition and then, you know, has been playing kind of backup left tackle here. So, uh, I mean, what do you think this week for, for Jackson Parman? I think he's going to see a lot of left tackle. Um, I mean, that's where he, they started working him again at the beginning of this week. And part of that is I think they want to see Deontay Smith at right tackle because Deontay Smith playing right tackle is going to be very important if he's to be this first tackle off the bench. I don't know what would happen if Orlando, if Orlando Brown gets hurt. I don't know if they would just put Jonah Williams at left tackle or if they would put their swing tackle there, but they, they at least have options. What I do know is that, and we've harped on this constantly because it comes straight from the coach's mouths, specifically Frank Pollock. You need to be able to play multiple positions. Jackson Carmen has technically played four positions on this offensive line. He's played only one of them somewhat adequately, and there's a lot of context with that. Jackson Carmen, he just, he just seems like a left tackle. And that's fine if you can do it really well. It's not so great if you can do it only kind of well in certain conditions. So if they want to keep him on the team, he's just an emergency left tackle who at this point probably doesn't dress because, again, he can only play one position adequately. And even still, we haven't really seen him play left tackle since January, right? So he's probably going to see a decent amount of snaps there in this game, I'm assuming, with you know, what, what constitutes as the second string, so the second group that comes out onto the field. And we're going to see Deontay Smith either at left tackle or right tackle. I, I Again, there's a lot of players at tackle right now for the Bengals, and they're still sorting things out. But Jackson Carmen's probably not a swing tackle anymore. He's not a guard. If he's just a left tackle, I, I question how valuable that is when, again, you're not going to be a starter. So you bring up a good point about the not not only about Carmen but about the the right tackle spot and um you know Jonah Williams so if you go back and look at Jonah Williams career um he was Zach Taylor's first pick um and uh, I mean the the rookie season was a wash because of what what was that a shoulder injury I think yeah Uh, missed six games the following year did play in all 16 um, regular, you know, regular season games there, but the, the next couple of years. But I mean, we know there's an injury history there, right? And so uh, that's that's what pressed Carmen into action in the postseason. And so I I say this, I, I think Jonah Williams is poised for a, a better year than maybe some predict at right tackle. I, I do think that. I think we're in for a pleasant surprise there, but I think there needs to be a lot of trust in who your backup right tackle is to a bit to your point there. When you're talking about working Deontay Smith there, you know, Hakeem Adeniji's bounced around a little bit. They're using sharping like everywhere. Um, so, I mean, they need to, that's kind of why also, you know, there's Cody Ford, there's all kinds of guys that have kind of, okay, let's, play them at different spots here. They need to have a lot of trust, not only in the starting right tackle going into week one, they need to have a lot of trust in whoever that backup right tackle is. And I hate to say that because again, I think Jonah's poised for a good year, but I mean, there is an in, a pretty significant injury history there. And, you know, if there is, even if it's for a game or two games or something, they need to have somebody that they can rely on to give them, you know, a somewhat quality game if that's, if need be. Anthony Collins is not walking through that door, you know, so (laughs) Um, Anthony Collins is great. I think the Bengals probably won a Super Bowl if Anthony Collins was still playing the past couple of years. But yeah, people, I mean, Hakeem Adeniji is another name that we haven't really talked about, but I don't think he's necessarily had a bad camp. He's consistently been like an adequate practice player. It's just when he's in the playoffs and he's up against the very best pass rushers in the league, you're going to see a, a talent disparity there. But there's a reason why he stuck around this long. And again, if they feel like he can play multiple spots, at least somewhat decently, and you can finish a game with him, then he's probably still in the mix too. So they, again, they have options. It's just, they've given Carmen chance after chance after chance. He's technically now lost three battles. Even if I don't even think this was technically a true battle for him. It was just a chance for him to, to, to show that he can play a new position, a position that's more needed for him than, than the position that he's played in the past. 
But again, he's just continuing to just he, he's practiced all at right tackle this year, and he still like showed like basically zero progress. So I don't know what that says about him and just you know just who he is. But it, it's it's not good if these other guys at at this position aren't imploding like him. Interesting situation if the you know a final roster spot were to come down to Jackson Carmen or Deontay Smith. I, you know, I do they do you go with with Smith because you feel like you know there's still you know a lot of development that you can mine out of there, or do you go with the former high pick and just kind of I, I, it would be a to be a fly on that wall if that was the situation where a you know a final positional pick there come becomes between those two guys would be interesting, and I think I think you know again you're talking about getting Smith reps at right tackle this week. I think that's where some of that homework's going to be done if that conversation does occur, right? I mean, I think they're just going to look at, hey, I mean, we, we tried Smith week two. This is what we got um, at right tackle. And that's that's those are your reference points. Well, it's all about, you know, what have you done for me lately? And just I, I touched on this, I think, a couple of days ago. The career arc for Deontay Smith is insane. It's weird. Because as a fourth-round pick, you got to remember, he was – touted to maybe start as a rookie at right guard which was a damning indictment on what they had at that position in 2021 and then he got hurt and then he didn't really play much he was like a backup tight end i think for the first part of 2021 and then when he when he got in at tackle i think for that last game of the year against the browns he was terrible he didn't look like he should be on a roster and then they didn't play last year so we haven't really seen him that much but he's clearly made some progressions into his third year and compared to carmen who's at the at the best, he's stagnant compared to last year. Only one guy is shown to make a progression into his third year. So that might be like the the deciding factor if you were to decide between those two guys. But again, if, if you feel like Deontay Smith can at least be somewhat competent as a backup at multiple spots and you're only somewhat confident that Carmen can be a backup at one spot, like that that kind of tells you that. Like there's more financial, you know, implications with cutting a second round pick in his, into his third year. And I don't think Carmen's getting cut primarily because of that. But I mean, if it comes down to it, there seems to be a, a clear answer. Well, the next, the, the, maybe the final talking piece here um, this week, because I think we saw good things out of, out of the defense in some degrees, right. You know, the, the turnovers and Tyson Anderson and George, you know, a, a lot of the young guys we had questions about uh, in the secondary were kind of the ones that, you know, uh, it answered a lot of questions at least last week, but they're, I mean, they still gave up a lot of points and there's a lot of reasons for that. But I mean, this is kind of one of those things where you go, okay, um, backup running back, what are the Bengals going to do here? Trivion Williams has a, an ankle injury that he's, um, you know, kind of trying to come back from. And then, of course, you had the performances last week of Chris Evans, um, who had a, a nice run, but, you know, uh, still working on a couple of other things. I think he also had a, a decent kick return as well. But, um, you know, s- still kind of working on a lot of things with Chris Evans. And then, you know, you've got the rookie, Chase Brown, who struggled to find some running room last week, but then did some things as a receiver and, Uh, flashed in other ways as well so you know kind of a tight race there between those two and and then you add in Travion Williams those three every year this team keeps four running backs at the start of the season and I don't really see them deviating from that now which when you run the numbers you think that maybe three is probably the right way to go just so you can keep players at other more important spots but I think because there's uncertainty in terms of how they're going to split the snaps behind Mixon, there's not a Pirine there who's like a clear number two third down guy in pass protection or just in third down in general. I think with Williams's injury and now Chris Evans, who clearly seems to be earning more trust from the coaching staff, he looks better in pass pro. He just looks like a more decisive runner. There's still some kinks to work out with that, and they may have to just deal with that. But he looks like he's kind of taking advantage of the snaps that he's getting because of Williams's injury. And because Brown is still like he's still a rookie, like we saw kind of, you know, that that rawness to, you know, his the nuances of him pass protecting and against Green Bay. And they might not trust him yet, but that, you know, rightfully so. So if Chris Evans is, is showing more than he has in the past two years, 
he may not be buried on the death chart anymore. And they might just, yeah. I mean, they'll probably keep four at this point just because maybe things would be different if Williams was healthy and like maybe Evans wouldn't have gotten as much of an opportunity or if Evans continued to just be a guy that they don't necessarily trust. But I think that that dynamic is changing a bit. So now it looks like four is going to be the number. It's just a matter of when Williams comes back, if he's still the clear number two. Uh, you know, Evans is really, he's flashed some moments. And then the other, you know, the other day in practice, he beat, I believe it was Pratt down the sideline for a ball. Uh, and then it, it went through his hands and you go, oh man, that was like, you know, kind of a, I think it was a, a, a kind of a wheel route that he took up the sideline a little bit and the ball went through his hands. And then you go, oh man, that was, that's kind of your bread and butter. Uh, I remember that was the the touchdown against the Lions, right? That play the in the regular season as a rookie. So, yeah, I mean, um again he's we joked about it like touchdown per touch uh for chris evans is is pretty high um but yeah i mean uh big 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 weeks for him and uh you know the uh chase brown this week here i I, we've got another super chat from mr whisper um i guess this may be one of the only guys well this may be a starter that gets either somewhat significant stat, snaps any snaps that, that sort of thing Volson um, you've been at a couple of practices John and you have some takeaways and everything I guess you know this isn't necessarily preseason game two because I don't know that Volson will play in this game maybe more uh, a series or so in the final one we will see but uh, you know obviously I, he's kind of I guess the least known commodity a, a bit on the starting offensive line I don't mean that as a knock to him, but when you've got Orlando Brown, he's got four pro bowlers, and then you've got Jonah Williams, former first-round pick. You know you, you know the cast of characters, and Folson's kind of the one where you go, okay, um, how's he looking in year two? There were there were ebbs and flows as a rookie. What do you, what do you see in this year so far from, from him? I mean, we haven't seen very much. Obviously, he didn't play in that preseason game, so we've only seen kind of reps from training camp. I think he looks – more or less the same as last year which is not a bad thing he's but he's he's bigger he's stronger i think he's more aware and things are slowing down for him but i think i think his weaknesses are still kind of there he kind of plays a little tall sometimes so he kind of loses leverage but the more reps that he gets and he's gotten obviously plenty of reps as a starter this year in camp the more he'll continue to kind of iron things out i think the sentiment of this being the bengal's best offensive line recent memory is primarily because Jonah Williams has adapted to right tackle so well. Right. Like you have two solid tackles, you have a solid center, a solid guard, and then Volson, like Mr. Whisper saying, like being the biggest question mark. As long as he's no worse than he was last year, this is easily going to be right. a really good offensive line compared to what they've had in recent years. So a, a jump from Volson would be nice. I just don't think I've seen enough to say that that's imminent, I guess. Good call on that. Thank you, Mr. Whisper. And we'll have that go to the Ken Riley 13 Foundation. Mr. Whisper, you need to send us either your social, uh, not social security number, but your social media accounts or uh, a way to get a hold of you because we want to, yeah, you're very generous to this program. We want to drop the Venmo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's something we want to, we want to do something nice for you. Uh, but we appreciate it. Thank you very much for that super chat that'll go to the Ken Riley 13 Foundation as well. Um, you know, I, I know this isn't, uh, Burrow's not going to play this week. Um, and, we were waiting for kind of his arrival back at practice. I guess one thing that I did see, and maybe this is a total non sequitur to what we're talking about, but I guess one of the things that makes me feel uh, somewhat better about it, and granted this guy is a lot further in his career than Burrow is, but I did see a graphic, I believe it was on um, ESPN, that Aaron Rodgers was uh, is not going to play. Uh, I think it's Saturday night is the Jets, the Jets game. Um, and he has not played, I think, a preseason game since 2018, 2016, wow. something like that. Yeah, uh, interesting stat that I that I saw today. And of course, we know. I mean, last year was what it was with him, and you know, all kinds of different things. But I mean, in that time, he has still been an incredible player. So I guess we can take a bit of solace if Burrow does not play a preseason game, a preseason snap. Not necessarily what some of us want, I think, based on the start of last year. But um, I think we can kind of quell some of the stress there a little bit if we're going to use that as a barometer. Yeah, so it, it doesn't seem like any of the offensive starters are playing this week. But the defense, they'll play it probably like a drive. And I guess it'll be... The, um, so like Burrow and the starters played a drive 
the last preseason game of 2021 and it ended up being three plays and they're off. That could be the same thing with the Bengals defense. Mike Hilton was asked about it. He said, yeah, this is going to be a series. It could be three plays, it could be four plays, but it'll just be, it'll just be that drive and done. And he gave two reasons for this, Anthony, and only one of them kind of made sense to me. And that's being that the secondary is mostly new guys that haven't really played together before cam taylor Britt played here last year but he wasn't a week one starter but now dax hill and nick scott are both going to be new starters at safety just for a position group that relies so much on communication you know three four reps is not a lot but it, it's at least you, you establish something right and then you right. go into the season with that the other reason that he said though and i understood the sentiment but i felt like he was kind of taking blame that wasn't really his to take it was that you know he credited last year's slow start being 0 and two to the starters not playing in the preseason, but the defense for the bank for the Bengals last year was fine out of the gate. Like they played well against Pittsburgh, they played really well against Dallas. There was a couple drives against against the Cowboys that kind of stuck stuck out, but it wasn't the defense that needed those preseason reps. It was definitely the offense, and they couldn't get it because Burrow was recovering from you know appendicitis and everything, and they're not going right. to get that chance now with Burrow not being healthy enough or. They're not going to push him back to play preseason games. So it'll be nice to see the starters out there. But, you know, Mike Hilton, no one really blames the defense for starting 0-2 last year. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at it, 23 points given up to the Steelers, and that's on, what, what was that, four interceptions, five total turnovers, something like that by, yeah. by Burrow in that one, right? Um, and then, you know, and they only gave up 23 points when, you, when you're like minus four in the turnover margin or something. <laughs> So, I mean, that, that that's kind of crazy. And then, of course, the 20 points only to Dallas. The only thing I – the only kind of eh I would have with that Dallas score is the fact that you did have uh, – it was a Cooper Rush, right, the backup yeah. playing in that game. So you're like, well – but they're, they're on the road there and, you know, all of that. But 20 points on the road is – especially with who the Bengals have on offense is not, you know, a, a mountain to overcome. So – yeah, I mean, but I but I like I like the attitude. I like the I I don't necessarily agree with the sentiment, like you said, but I like I like the headspace where it's like, hey, this isn't good enough. What we did last year isn't good enough. Um, so I, I think that that plays into a little bit of this supposed as as I've been calling it at least a little more business approach, at least from some of the stuff that we saw last last year. But I think you know the camaraderie's there and the 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 jovial nature in general is there. I don't mean to take away from that, but. I just think there's there's a strong mindset in that locker room and that stuff like that shows. So um, that's going to we've already breezed through this episode. We're close to an hour in. So that's going to probably start doing it for us. John, let's drop the mic and get on out of here. My guy, what do you what do you got for us? Six and a half point dogs, I think, this weekend. Thirty eight over and under. Well, let's cover the spread this time, you know. Uh, I love Desmond Ritter, but let's see. Let's see an interception on Des Ritter. You know, you, he might not you- throw it. He might not throw a pass, but I don't know. Yeah, what, what, how are you feeling about him going forward, uh, Ritter? As, as give him a chance. Yeah, give him a chance. Oh, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, like I, I mean, like I I don't know like how good the Falcons are going to be this year. They're in a terrible division, so they might just find themselves like seven or eight wins. But selfishly, I don't want them to draft another quarterback. But if they get the chance to, you know, um, get Caleb Williams, obviously they should they should go do that. But you know, I, I loved I love seeing the Bearcats start, and I want to see him start for as long as he can. Yeah, well, it should be it should be a fun one. Um, I don't have a ton myself. Just that we're working on bringing on some other uh, other cool guests like Ken Riley the second who joined us today. We're working on doing that and doing some other cool things with the channel and, of course, the um, the, the podcast channel itself with all of the different shows that you have to choose from there. But we appreciate all of you tuning in live or if you're listening after the fact, we appreciate that as well as a fun time talking with Ken Riley, the second reliving his weekend in Canton. And um, I mean, man, couldn't, couldn't be a nicer, more genuine guy than, than him. And obviously a, a good reflection of his father. I mean, just the absolute best representation as dad could have, could have asked for just the model model guy for sure. Yep. Class, class, class. That's for sure. Well, that's going to do it for us this uh, this week. We'll we'll probably be bringing you some some more stuff. I know we had um, a little bit. We we pushed back from Wednesday, so we'll be doing a post game show tomorrow and uh, talking about maybe some of these players that we mentioned here and and the result of the game. So we'll be doing that after the game, 
and uh, some other fun stuff coming up on the channel and on the podcast channel. You got to keep it to the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. You got to keep it to cincyjungle.com. And of course, over at my guys, John's site, A to Z Sports for all of your Bengals opinions, news, coverage, analysis, all that stuff. We've got you covered. So keep it to that. John, uh, thanks, man. This has been a fun episode and appreciate uh, appreciate you. This time next year, we'll have Ken Anderson on talking about his insurance. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's yeah. Do it. yeah, let's do it. You put yeah, it's all about putting that stuff out there, right? Yeah. Like, it's all about putting it out there and it's gonna happen. So yeah, that's let's hope. Let's hope. Take care, everybody.